My name is Justin Zolkowski, and you're listening to Random Babbling, Confessions of a Christian Libertarian. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you work hard for your things. Whether these possessions are necessary or not, they are a reward for your time that you put in on your job. Now imagine that you have to give them over by force. The assailant is bigger than you, smarter than you, and you have very limited resource to fight back. I'm talking about the government. This episode is inspired by a meeting President Trump had with the Sheriff Harold Evanson of Rockwell County, Texas. In this very public meeting on February 7, 2017, the sheriff mentioned that Texas state senator has talked about introducing legislation that would require a conviction before law enforcement could keep that forfeiture. The law enforcement representative stated that the cartel would build a monument to him in Mexico if he could get that legislation passed, to which the president responded, Who is the state senator? Do you want to give me his name? We'll destroy his career. Wow, I have no words for this. The president wants to punish a state senator for doing his job. Now, I say the state senator was doing his job because government positions require you take an oath, an, off, an oath of office. In that oath, from local to federal level, states that you will support and or defend the United States Constitution. The Constitution is written in a way that it primarily tells the government what it can and cannot do. It is unique in this way. We'll get into this more later because there's a lot to be said about this short dialogue. We should not be surprised that this president is not opposed to using government force to seize, forcibly seize private property. Back in 1993, when Trump Plaza was being built, a house owned by an Atlantic City widow by the name of Vera Koking was threatened to be taken for her by the government in order to build a parking lot. Fortunately, this case was thrown out by a judge. And to be clear, the 1993 incident was actually the use of intimate domain and not civil asset forfeiture. Let me explain the difference. Asset forfeiture is when law enforcement or government can seize your property without filing a charge. Eminent domain is when the government can seize your private property for public use, yet compensates its owner. Eminent domain is constitutional, but abused. Civil asset forfeiture is just abuse. So why am I lumping these two different concepts in the same episode? The answer is simple. The effect is virtually the same. The fact that the government can take away your private property and get away with it is morally wrong. When it comes to eminent domain, I cannot claim that it's unconstitutional because of Fifth Amendment. That's right, it's not just for shutting up in court. The last section reads, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So, the government can't take your property unless it's for public use and without just compensation. It doesn't sound too bad. The problem is that the public use has broadened its definition. In 2005, the United States Supreme Court decided that private property transferred to another private owner can be considered public use in the case of Kello versus the City of New London. This is a controversial case decided in a 5-4 to four vote. The City of New London argued that the private developer could use eminent domain and turn a profit off the seizure because it was being contracted for urban redevelopment. 
this is dangerous because now the government has a greater chance of taking property because it can now have more reasons to claim public use. And now that the Supreme Court has decided it, it is now the law of the land. As for civil asset forfeiture, I found an obscure case from April 2016 that happened in Muskegee County, Oklahoma. A 40-year-old man, originally from Manamar, who has been an American for over a decade, had $53,249 seized from him. Now, this man was a volunteer manager for a Burmese Christian band who raised this money to support a Christian college in their home country and an orphanage in Thailand. The man, whose name is Iwa, was never charged with a crime, but the money was taken due to suspicion of possession of drug proceeds. The biggest crime with about asset forfeiture like this is that the accused has to prove its own innocence. I will repeat that. In order for him to get back his money, he has to prove his innocence. According to the Institute for Justice in their article, Policing for Profit, a claim like this is hard to file because you must know who to contact and what you are specifically looking for. This proves extremely difficult because many agencies have thrown claims out like this because they are considered too broad. Now, law enforcement has a loophole in which they can raise funds secretly and without accountability. I named this episode on government theft. But considering the brute force that can be used in either situation, a more appropriate name would be on government robbery. To me, it is easy to see that this is wrong because what I have read in the Bible, the Eighth Commandment is, you shall not steal. This, along with the other Nine Commandments, are so important that they are written twice. The first was in Exodus 20, which was the first generation of Israelites that fled Egypt. Then it was repeated to the second generation as they were entering the promised land in Deuteronomy 5. The statement is so simple, so straightforward, yet people will still twist it. They will respond, what is stealing? If it is done by the government, is it stealing? When we read Romans 13, it commands us to submit to the government. So can we biblically say that the government is stealing? Yes, we can. While reading about eminent domain in Wayne Grudem's book, Politics, he refers to 1 Kings 21. In this narrative, the king of Israel, Ahab, wants a vineyard owned by Naboth and turned into a vegetable garden. Naboth refuses, stating, The Lord forbid it that I should give you my inheritance from my fathers. So, King Ahab basically throws a fit, and his queen Jezebel frames Naboth for blasphemy and is stoned to death. The prophet Elijah hears about this and curses Ahab, stating, In the place where the dogs looked up the blood of Naboth, Shall the dogs lick up your own blood? This later comes true for Ahab in chapter 22, and later for Jezebel in 2 Kings 9. Now, this is an extreme case, but we do see government forcibly removing private property from a private citizen. God will always look out for his people in some way. What is good about living in the United States is that we have the power to challenge the government in its wrongdoing. We may not win, but we have the right to fight. As to the story from 1 Kings, I am reminded by what God says in Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed the thing for which I sent it. In closing, I hope I have made clear arguments why modern uses of civil assets forfeiture and eminent domain are abuse. Check out the Institute for Justice website and read their article on Policing for Profit. The article on the Burmese Christian Rock Band is on my Random Dabbling Facebook page. 
and you could always look up Ron Paul on YouTube regarding these subjects. He'll have something to say. Right now, I'll be posting the sound file and script on my blog. Check it out at justin-ski.blogspot.com. I hope to hear from you, and God bless.